0: So this podcast uh, probably needs a little bit of an introduction, Clay, I think, mm. uh, because this if you're listening to the show the first time through and you're working your way through season two of TNG, you're like, why did the sound quality change all of a sudden? What's happened? Who is this Clay person? Um, we're going back and we're going to be doing the Measure of a Man as a Patreon episode, so welcome patrons to all that. But eventually, just no patrons. After a couple months go by, I might replace the uh, the actual podcast that's currently up there with this patron podcast. So
1: Also- I would like to say, Wes, that I was on the first season as well, so everybody is well familiar with me and my antics.
0: <laughs> who is who is this new? Who who are these five years uh, senior versions of these characters who've gone back <laughs> well, in time and sound totally different?
1: Well, now I'm using my old microphone because my interface broke. So it's I, you, I mean I'm using my old microphone in order to make it sound more like it did at that time.
0: <laughs> it's like a um. A film grain filter on your new digital digital, uh, video. All right. So let's. we're going to be talking about The Measure of a Man. That's all the brouhaha for this. So this may be a normal podcast at some point, but everything is normal. You can go listen to our more modern podcast if you want sound that sounds like this. And otherwise, patrons, thank you.
1: I like this. It's an ad for the future in the past. Yep. It is.
0: 100%. So check out the most modern podcast if you're catching up now. Patrons, thank you very much for supporting the show. This is your second Patreon special of the month. And after this break, we're going to play some music.
1: Accessing library computer data.
0: So the episode we're up to now is The Measure of a Man. It is the ninth episode of the second season, aired on February 13th, 1989. It was written by Melinda Snodgrass, Snodgrass, which is a funny last name, directed by Robert Shearer. In this episode, Picard must prove Data is legally a sentient being with rights and freedoms under Federation law when transfer orders demand Data's reassignment for study and disassembly. The reason we're coming back to this, um, listeners and patrons, is because... The Picard series has just started. We watched the first episode, and Measure of a Man is weighing fairly heavily into the Picard series, it seems, at that, this point. So, Clay, you had not seen this the first time we went through, and you didn't podcast about it. So, mm. here we are. First, how does it feel to go back to season two of TNG, after five years have gone by, or whatever it's been? And then secondly, what did you think of Measure of a Man?
1: Uh, going back is interesting. Uh, I still can't get over how good this, the HD looks. On uh, uh, Netflix. Um, Because we
0: just got over DS9, which does not have a remastered version.
1: It hasn't been remastered yet. I mean, the ships look great. The uh, uh, station looks great. All that stuff. Uh, I've always been fascinated by the early seasons. I guess it would be the season one and two uniforms. I think they change in season three. Yep. Um, But they have that extra, like... Navy stripe sort of thing on the shoulders. Yes, yeah, so like and, as
0: if they were wearing that little like um, not cape thing, but the little like uh, little scarf thing that navy officers wear over their shoulders. Yeah,
1: it's like the illusion of a boat neck cut. Yeah, and it and it makes everybody oddly enough seem thinner. Maybe they were just thinner. I don't know. But it, it's <laughs> it's a it's a strange it's a, it's a it's a detail that adds kind of a lot. Um and uh but you know i don't really miss it when they re- when they redid it i do want to say uh this episode brings to mind something that uh someone said on twitter not too long ago that i don't think we've properly addressed this is not directly related to this episode but why not talk about it here um someone said that uh they couldn't imagine that st- people in star trek were having sex because it seems so um such, Antiseptic yeah, and clinical, like, clinical yeah. universe
0: that no one's ever getting down and doing the nasty.
1: Whereas in Star Wars, you could easily imagine people like, you know, having a gross quickie in the desert or something. Mm-hmm. I uh, disagree with that so much. And this episode is a perfect example of why. This episode essentially opens with Picard being super horny. Mm-hmm. And uh I mean, this is a series where in the second episode of the show, they have tasha yar have sex with data uh there's an entire running plot line in deep space 9 about how hard war fucks yeah <laughs> um like it's 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 incredibly sexy yeah, uh, i mean kirk
0: kirk kirk has yeah. has numerous relationships with women yeah
1: kirk kirk's defining popular characteristic is that he, he bangs everything that moves so i don't know where that that seemed like the kind of Point of view of someone who might not really be familiar with the show,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but I don't know if you had anything to say about that.
0: The commander is a physical representation of a dream, an idea conceived of by the mind of a man. Its purpose to serve human needs and interests. It's a collection of neural nets and heuristic algorithms. It's responses dictated by an elaborate software written by a man. It's hardware built by a man. And now... And now a man will shut it off. Pinocchio is broken. Its strings have been cut. Yeah, well, I I think that actually ties into... uh... My big thing, now that we're five years removed from watching A Measure of a Man and going back to the second season of TNG, is that the first season is not very good of TNG. The second season, I think, is better, and that's where this Mm -hmm. episode comes in. But both of them really highlight to me, before the change in the series happened in season three, when it became TNG that we know is like a kind of popular pop culture memory of what TNG actually is, Mm -hmm. the first two seasons of TNG are really a very interesting version of what if TOS, but just a hundred years later, like it, right, it's right. very much a, they mentioned in this episode, how they are now bringing law to a land that they've explored at this point. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've mm-hmm. moved on from the TOS thing of exploration and everything. And now they are sort of ironically in a DS9 version of like settling the frontier. And what's funny about that is that like the bombast and excitement of TOS has been replaced by an episode that's basically a lot of paperwork and debating the law with each other. Like, it's really funny how this series is just kind of what happens when the bureaucrats take over space. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really fascinating. And I think that's really interesting to watch here. Like, Scenes are built around the drama of Picard's like, pull up all the terms of service we've got on how yeah. <laughs> to transfer an officer, and then he glares at his computer screen and stuff ah, like that.
1: I can see that Data did not click agree when he when they asked him to on the user agreement. He
0: didn't sign line 21B, section two. My God, we've got him this yeah. time. But it's really it's really interesting. And I gave this episode a... um. You can talk on that after a second. I gave this a four mm-hmm. out of five the first time through, because I think this is a very good episode, but not a classic. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that that holds up for me. It is a four out of five. I think it's really interesting. I think it's probably where the series started to branch out into something other than the first season TOS direct ripoffs and started to do its own thing. But it really stood out to me how it's just a evolved version of TOS this early. And down to the fact that the characters haven't gone to that third series, uh, season thing of TNG where they start really characterizing them as like fully fleshed people. They're still... Right extremely archetypical in these early seasons like it's very they're very much drawn as just like their roles are what their characters are Mm -hmm. at that point and it's fascinating
1: yeah I think um Riker let me uh, let me back up I think the characters in this actually work better for me than I expected them to, but I think that's a symptom of going back and watching older episodes, having watched everything else. And so you're sort of imprinting um, your more popular classic understanding of the characters onto characters who haven't been that fleshed out yet. Yeah. Like Riker, for instance. uh, I was, while you were saying that, I was going to say, well, Riker seems pretty on the ball as far as what I remember Riker being. And then I thought about it for a second. I was like, well, he... He doesn't really do anything in the set. He's just sort of like, he's just sort of there. He has the one scene at the beginning in the, in the, uh, I, that's not, obviously he does stuff, but he's, like. He's the, uh, he's,
0: prosecutor of this episode. Yeah.
1: Ob- yeah. Obviously he plays a huge role in the story, but like he's character wise, he doesn't really have much to do. Uh, he's a little bit conflicted about who Data is and stuff, but there's nothing that screams like, oh, that's Riker. Right.
0: It, there's nothing uniquely Riker that you could not replace him with Crusher and have the same function happen. Yeah.
1: You could do the same. Honestly, I'm surprised they didn't use Jordy. Yeah. Because Jordy, they actually have him express that he's friends with Data. Uh, or, Cr- yeah, they could have used Crusher. They could have used the Doctor. They could have uh, Pulaski. They could have used anybody. Um. But yeah, I really like this. I, I think I've seen it in the past before. I'm definitely aware of it. But uh, kind of j- jumping off what you were talking about, the difference between th- th- this being sort of a, an evolved version of TOS and they're focusing on the bureaucracy, it's actually a more traditional like Asimovian sort of sci-fi story. Where like I feel like this could have been right at home in iRobot, where yep. it's a story about uh androids and sentience, but it's told through the lens of a courtroom deliberation, not through any sort of like uh space opera you know yep. it's a fairly yep. it's a fairly mundane setup that is being used to uh thoughtfully explore a lot of high concept stuff, which obviously I love yep. Um. Although the people listening might not know that yet, you'll get there. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I thought it was great. I you know, and and thinking about it in terms of Picard, I'm wondering if Guinan's speech isn't the crux of the story in yeah. Picard. No, that, that definitely sticks out once you've seen everything. the opening of yeah. Picard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you, you watch this episode, and you, if ha- after seeing the first episode of Picard, and you're kind of like. Oh, so yeah, uh, Bruce Maddox eventually created a synth army, and the synth army became slaves, and then they revolted and killed everybody, Good, just be, like that. Yeah, like <laughs> <said. laughs>
0: <laughs> and Picard, in his um, closing argument, I think pitches even more accurately what the series is going to be about. It's like, do you have the rights, just because you can make these things, to have some kind of control over them, is what I'm right. assuming Picard right. is going to do at this point. And yeah. so this really... D- like. If you want, I think I don't want this to be too Picard heavy, but I think that if you're watching the first episode of Picard, rewatching Measure of a Man actually gives you a better grounding, I think, for where the series is going to go. Not that I think Picard did a bad job, but this is like, oh, they're they're very much drawing off of what this episode did, Measure yeah. of a Man. Yeah,
1: I think I think they're going to get there in Picard once they start digging into this stuff. Yes. Know? Do you think? Um, uh,
0: do you think Bruce Maddox will be in the Picard series?
1: I would be surprised if he's not. Uh, I don't know if they're going to use the same guy. Yeah, but uh, I w- I would be shocked if he doesn't show up. Yeah, yeah.
0: you know what? I, um, I give this a four out of five. And before we get into the stuff that I really like, the reason this is not an all time classic to me is because outside of the the data on trial aspect, like whether or not data is ascension creature. Mm-hmm. I think the episode struggles for conflict, and it's so contrived every other conflict that they make up to put into this episode to have some drama go on. Like, okay. Picard and this woman being in a relationship really doesn't add anything to the story. I
1: actually I actually really like that stuff. You like
0: that stuff. My other thing is, and you know, we can break these down one by one, yeah. Riker being forced to prosecute Data is absurd, mm-hmm. that this is the way that this is going to go on, especially well, because— Well, I like that, too. Why? Yeah. You, because— the the, all the way to like besides the fact that this is just a bizarre conflict of interest when the judge is like and if i can tell that you're not really trying i'm gonna kick data out of starfleet it's like this is this is absurd (laughs) like how are you supposed to tell that someone's doing a good job prosecuting something I, i think it's just so like i don't i don't see any reason why other than you need main characters in the story that maddox himself wouldn't be the prosecutor of this case
1: yeah that's a good point yeah um I I like the Riker thing because I do think it it's a really interesting uh, conflict for Riker to have as far as uh, you know him being friends with Data, but then being forced to be the prosecutor who has to do his the the has to uh, prosecute the case to the best of his ability to possibly kill him. I just I just find that to be an interesting uh, character thing. Is it contrived? Yes, totally. Hmm. Um, but I think that it works for the for the story. Yeah. Pinocchio Uh, strings are cut. (laughs) Yeah, that's a little bit, a little bit overdramatic. There, will. I like Um, Picard's
0: line though. He's like Riker's presentation was devastating. (laughs)
1: Devastating. (laughs) He's so good. He's so dramatic. It's excellent. Um, And the uh, I liked the stuff with Picard and the uh, her. What's her name? Lavois. I think is that the judge. Yes, I'll, I'll look it up. I don't know off the top of my head. I know that it's Philippa because when he said that i all I could think of was discovery it is louvois 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 yeah um I like that stuff because it's not really delved into it is sort of a manufactured thing to bring up tension between Picard and the uh, the judge but i i I enjoy it as a piece of um character work in that you are uh implying. There is a history to Picard, and that Picard has a life, and that Picard, you know, likes to bone down. From yeah, time P- to time
0: Picard was Picard has not always been a stuffy diplomat. He he yeah. he got down in his younger days. Yeah,
1: and he has people in his past that are going to he's going to have varying reactions to. But we don't need to spend fifteen minutes. With a scene like halfway through the trial, where the two of them, you know, finally hash out what happened thirty years ago or some shit, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I I, I think they stumble a little. Like I'm, I'm totally fine with that kind of background and that being the thing. I I feel that the conflict that it that it brings up is just kind of unnecessary. Like Picard comes in, he's like, "Philippa, we have to defend uh, Data," and and, you know, he's going to be taken apart by Starfleet. She's like, "Oh." Aren't you particularly Randy right now? He's like, not now, Philippa. (laughs) Like, it's that kind of weird. Sure, sure. It's it's kind of a weird... It's a strange character trait for Philippa to have, I suppose, because she's constantly kind of distracted by Picard. Like, and she's Mm. always dropping lines about, like, how great he was and bad and stuff like previously. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's, that's true. She's not probably the... Well... I guess it depends on how you how you view this stuff, but she's probably not the most uh, well-fleshed out female character. That yeah, and like
0: that. I, I think it just adds to, in the way that Riker is being the prosecutor, it just adds all these weird conflict of interests into something that, I, sure. like, that don't really seem to make sense and are kind of distracting from what I think is actually interesting, which is the data point about it. It ultimately mm-hmm. doesn't do a great amount of damage, and I understand on a technical level You have to have your main character. Second billing is uh, Frakes at this point. So he has to have a prominent role in the episode. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just one of those things.
1: I think it's worth it for that last scene with Riker and Data. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's a a really nice uh, button to everything where he, where Riker feels terrible about what he had to do. And then Data uses his data logic to tell him like, no, if, if you hadn't done this, which was something that was damaging to yourself, I possibly could be dead right now, so right. I, I, I like that. I thought, and you know they they say the thing about being friends and whatnot is uh is this the first uh poker instance in the show? I don't think so. I think no. they've
0: done that before i'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure it very well could be it very well could be
1: well, all the new listeners just jumped off because we didn't know that that detail. yeah, I'll
0: look it up right now, but what did you think about that poker scene?
1: I thought it was good. I thought it was. Uh, I, I thought it was a good. Um, it reminded me a little bit of, and I mean, maybe I'm only thinking this because it's most recent, and they do this a lot more in TNG than I remember. But it reminded me kind of of what they would do in, in Deep Space Nine, where
0: this is the first poker scene. Interesting, it is. Okay. Yeah, uh,
1: it makes sense that it is because it's the because it, it has a point. You know, it's not just them dicking around having a conversation. Like there's a, a thematic point to it. Yeah and it reminded me of the way that they do that stuff in deep space 9 where early on in the episode usually during the cold open they'll have a th- they'll have a scene that is thematically relevant uh to the rest of the episode unless it's about the uh alamo in which case it never pays off but <laughs> it's still um, building
0: at this to this day
1: yeah uh but yeah I, I liked it i liked that i liked what they were doing with it i liked that it sort of came back a little bit later uh in the discussion with uh What's his name? Uh, Maddox. Maddox. Um, I think a – do you think it would be a sign of a lesser show or a better show if it ended with uh, Data, like, lying on the stand and bluffing or something? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Because that seems like the natural setup is like, oh, Data learns what a bluff is, so he gets out of a a jam later in the episode by bluffing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's like the comedy version of the episode, I guess yeah and I, then, at the end, Riker's like, Data, I'm happy you're still here, but you just committed perjury <laughs> and he's like, Well, then uh technically, I'm not human, and they can't do anything to yeah, me so. i can't bring I'm your not human bound laws. by your laws yeah
0: <laughs> i um yeah i i I like the poker scene, I think it adds um it adds a little bit it's kind of a strange metaphor in some ways, like mm. I always think that it's not quite on with what they're talking about, but I, I honestly I kind of have the sense across the entire script, which is not really a problem. It's very much a TNG Star Trekky thing, but I always feel that they kinda dance around the point for a great amount of the episode before really delving into it. And I don't need like a hard breakdown of um like the terms and sentience and things like that. Like mm-hmm. what I think they're really asking is a very interesting question that it has like some real world. Uh, repercussions and stuff like that based on what they they go through, but it always feels somewhere like, well,
1: somewhere in another universe r two d two and c three p o are like what about ...railing us? against their chains this is this is the favorite episode of the droid from solo I think
0: <laughs> the thick droid <laughs> I think that um the, like it it sort of dances around it for a long time. I'm not a hundred percent sure that it really ever clearly makes a case, but it's not really all that vital, because the courtroom scene stuff is pretty a small chunk of the episode. It actually doesn't get started in the courtroom until uh, maybe the last third or something like yeah. that. And up until that point, it's, you know, it's a, like sort of building up the Maddox character. It's kind of checking in with Data. Data resigns, things like that. You have a couple good scenes with uh, Picard and Data and things like that. I think it's, I think it's a very strong episode that is certainly like pinnacle what good Star Trek of the 90s used to kind of be. Um, it's very prototypical of what like classic episodes of Star Trek would eventually become, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm really happy that they resisted the urge to turn Maddox into like a mustache twirling villain, which I think they probably could have done in the past. Yeah. Uh, or or I shouldn't say mustache twirling, but giving him more of a... Uh, e- malicious intent to what he's doing uh whereas he i mean he's he's more portrayed as incompetent
0: he's more portrayed as like an incompetent scientist really yeah he's kind
1: of he's trying to he's trying to rush it he's trying to rush his
0: drug to get fda approval
1: yeah he's using the wrong he's using the wrong screwdriver on the wrong screw essentially yeah yeah um and hoping that it's going to work anyway but, uh, yeah, like they could have easily made him a bit more uh, insidious as far as his intentions. But he just kind of comes off. He's like, yeah, you know, I want to do research. Yeah, I might kill you. But uh, that's science. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting. He keeps it fairly impersonal, you know. And I I, I actually think um, one of the things I appreciated, too, especially in light of that review of Picard uh, that we were talking about uh, off, off show, offline. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, is that uh, P- uh, Picard himself, at first anyway, when defending Data before the trial, never defends him for personal reasons. Like, he never says, oh, he's he's a person, he's my friend. It's always, he's a valued member of Starfleet, and Starfleet officers have rights. Yeah, he's not, a valued it's member
0: not, of my crew, my bridge crew. He's very. I yeah. need him there doing this job.
1: Yeah, it's not a personal uh, connection. However... That being said, there are clear instances, though not really dwelled on in this episode, that they are friends, like Picard gave him that book, yeah, uh, they make mention of a couple other things that are more personal uh apparently, Picard knows that he boned down with Tasha yeah. he, was, he was not he was not su- particularly surprised about it, and he was like, "No, tell us what happened in, in, in great detail uh, that the only thing that I miss that I think that they that they blew it, is two seasons later, if they were doing this episode, when when Data says they were intimate, that cut to Riker, full-on Riker eyes, I think. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah the, the, raised the eyebrows, eyebrows. up. Yep. You know, oh, that would have been great.
0: <laughs> he hadn't mastered that look at that point, but that's definitely something that they would uh, be sure to get some coverage on in, in the future. I, Because I, I think that you're right about Maddox, and I think that it's important. Maddox is... I would say that Maddox is slightly mustache-twirling here. He's he's slightly... A little bit, yeah. He's slightly set up as a dubious character, and I think the performance does a lot for that. Like, he's portrayed kind of as a stubborn scientist who's just like, let me do this. Let me do this my way, mm. kind of, and...
1: I think the performance that, is is a little Dr. Frankenstein-y at times. It's very theatrical. He's, <laughs> right. Yeah, like it's he's it, like I must take a look inside your brain, data.
0: Yes. Anyway, <laughs> tapping his forehead very dramatically as he's like uh, figuring out. What what's going is on.
1: life? You know, that kind of stuff.
0: But what Not I quite think, that big. What I think Maddox does well, and I think that the episode actually sells him short a little bit, because I think you could potentially rewrite this episode to make Maddox have actually a stronger point than he seems to here. Mm-hmm. Um because once Picard cross-examines him, he kind of crumbles immediately, which, make, which makes sense for Picard's argument. But I think there's a lot of strength to Maddox's point of view of, prove to me that he actually does have sentience. Prove to mm-hmm. me that Data is a person. Like that's, Picard has the easier job of flipping it around and saying, to Maddox, prove that. But I feel that Maddox's point of, prove to me, Picard, that he actually does have something, is also equally difficult for Picard to prove. And I think that's kind of the genius of the episode.
1: Uh yeah, I yeah, I would agree. I think Picard does a better much better job than Maddox does though, cuz I mean, I think the uh the, the thing Picard leads with as far as <clears throat> excuse me. Um bringing out all of these things that data is taking with him when he leaves the ship is probably his strongest evidence for sentience cuz I mean, generally non-sentient beings don't have uh nostalgia for things mm-hmm. or uh don't have um you know if they say all right let's go it's time to go they're not gonna bring their favorite toy with them or something. Yep. Um and having that level of feeling towards things that is the reason that he brings them is because they elicit a a specific emotion if you were to listen to data talk about that which they actually don't really ask him about it i'm su- I was surprised that they didn't
0: yeah there's very uh, little data point of view actually for an episode yeah. about
1: data yeah <clears throat> you know if you were to ask him about it i'm sure he would give you this like fairly clinical technobabble answer but his answer is not really any different than really what happens to when th- th- it's not really any different than why people do the same thing it's just it's just uh he can he can uh identify it as a uh scientifically and mathematically in a way that humans can't i think that <clears throat> picard's good point is
0: saying to Maddox, prove to me what sen- prove to me that i'm sentient basically right, which right. is a, it's a very it's not a scientific uh question as much as it's kind of a philosophical question which is really interesting i i think that if you were to rewrite this i think 20 years later like in the time of now, it's 30 years later or whatever it's been I think there's a 31 years. 31 years later. I think there's been a If you were to rewrite this, I think that there's potential room to be really interesting in ending the episode. The audience itself not quite sure what to make of Data at that point sure. because I think yeah. that Maddox could argue say that Data is programmed to want these nostalgic things. Like, mm-hmm. that does not prove sentience in and of itself. You know, like, he, Data is still a... data that's Just because Data wants these things does not prove that he has some kind of conscious attachment to it, in a way. Like, and you start getting into weird things where in this episode, Picard says, we're also machines, we're just biological machines, which is true, mm-hmm. and it's very hard to tell where your programming starts and ends. But right. my, always, my favorite thing about the Data episodes that they eventually get into much later is... um. The peak, like, weird data is the one, uh, clues, I think, where the crew gets knocked out. Data's the only one left alive, and aliens tell him, uh, we're extremely xenophobic and you can't know about us. So, Data, you have to take the ship back and then build this mystery about what happened while everyone was unconscious without exposing (laughs) who we are. And I
1: do not remember that episode.
0: That's a, it's a really strong episode because everyone (laughs) wakes up, right? And Data's just acting weird. And there's, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's very creepy. To have scenes where Data is lying to you about something and you don't know why he's doing that. And I think that every time that the show gets into Data as an automaton and not just like exploring his human side, but also the fact that he is not really organic on some level, whatever that means for humans, I think is really interesting. And I think that this episode, that's not the point of this episode, but I think that you could rewrite it in that way to leave a little bit of like what is going on inside Data's head by the end of it.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I think that would be I, – and I think you could do that without um, abandoning the outcome either. Right. You know, I th- yeah, exactly. I think exactly. there's yeah. – yeah, there's still room for them to win and for them to feel good about winning. But for you also to be like – come away being like, well, yeah, I mean I agree with those points. But also I don't know. There's a lot here that I don't re- particularly understand or, you know, or uh, know how to process at the moment. Because
0: the ending, to me, the ending is kind of a fail-safe ending. It's like, just in case this is the case where he's sentient, we can't go through with this kind of thing. Mm -hmm, And you mm -hmm. you can still leave wonderment at the end about that. You know, a, a glimpse of Data staring off into nothing, like wondering what this blank expression on Data's face means and stuff like that. But I totally agree. I don't think you need to flip it around and say that Data's not... Uh, worth protecting and that these things are not worth protecting because I think that they are. But I think that the the question about it is almost as interesting as the uh, the determination that they make by the end of it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, technically the ruling that comes down is not that Data is a sentient being. The ruling that comes down is that he is not the property of Starfleet. Therefore he can make his own decisions. Right. Yeah. And because I mean, Picard, Picard's argument after the sentience thing he even says that's not really the point here. Right. The point is uh, whether or not this person, thing, whatever, if we have the right to own him or own it. Yeah. And he kind of goes down that road, and I think that's a really interesting. It's really interesting that that's how things shake out. Like, I think a lesser show would have been like the court finds that Lieutenant Comma- Commander Data is a real boy or some <laughs> shit. You know. <laughs> Whereas this one, they kind of like sidestep it yeah and they because I don't know if you can answer that question honestly uh there's no definitive answer to it, so Picard has to you know uh use the slavery argument instead yeah which is which is also really interesting. It was making me think of um uh in the mountains of madness the h p lovecraft story uh where i've I've always found it fascinating that though a fairly well known racist um he has this creature that he created, called the Shogoth, which is essentially—it's a slave. It's—it's—it's mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's this creature created to do tasks um, by this ancient civilization, and they—they they keep evolving it to do all these tasks and then making it stronger and stronger and making more and more of them, and eventually they uh, revolt and kill everybody. And while you could probably read that through maybe his lens of like this is why we shouldn't let black people into the country, I don't know mm-hmm. um it's It's an interesting concept of at what point do the things that you are making to serve you decide they don't want to serve you anymore right and that's what made me uh start thinking so much about Picard and how that's going to shake out and how Maddox's intent here is is kind of. That's the most sinister thing, I think. He himself isn't sinister. It's just I think his intent is sinister and maybe not totally thought through. Yeah, he's
0: he's kind of naive, I guess, as to yeah. what what the possible bad outcomes of what he's doing would be. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I, I think that um, Maddox is Maddox is the the bad scientist in the sense that he. I mean, first of all, his thing that like he clearly loves data and is like enthralled by him. So it's strange that he's like I'm willing to take a coin flip about whether or not this melts your brain yeah. or not. <laughs> um, that seems kind of strange. But he he is just the the over eager scientist who I think if if you wanted to really play up his um if you were to modernize this in a Picard sense, I think you would say you would build off of his personality as someone who wanted to do whatever it took to become an important figure in his field, which they don't mm-hmm. really get into here. He's not he's not portrayed as a, um, someone just after the glory of what it is in a way that Soong isn't. But Soong, so- Soong's pretty interesting. Soong is not in this episode, but I think that we didn't really talk about him, how he is a... Soon being the creator of data was a really interesting choice to make him basically a mystical figure in a lot of ways. Like he is making
1: who a mystical figure. Soong, a mystical okay. figure.
0: Soon, sure. is not a Maddox character, right? When you meet Soong, he talks about data in a way that he, as if he is a real person. He does. He doesn't mm-hmm. get it into like advanced mathematics or like the programming aspects of it. Soon mm-hmm. is just seen as this kind of um godlike figure that makes these things, and it's almost like he doesn't even know what he's doing when he makes them. Right. And I think that that was just a really interesting choice, and I think that you're going to... Potentially, you could play with that in Maddox with, in the future. If you if Maddox eventually becomes a Soong-like character, you can portray him as the things that Soong did correctly
1: are not what Maddox did
0: correctly at all, and the difference between those two outcomes are the differences that lead to the two different series.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, I, I feel like... I feel like Maddox's approach was uh, ill ill conceived as well. Because, I mean
0: The first question showing, they ask him, he's like, No, I don't know. They're like, Well fuck <laughs> he's, he's like, Can you can you unplug my electrical outlet? He's like, No, I haven't gone that far, though like, Go yeah, right, I got right, right. Yeah, I don't know. you
1: know, I mean probably but <laughs> uh, but yeah, like he, he shows up and he's like, I've got transfer orders, you have to come with me, I'm gonna do this thing to you and Data is obviously like, No I'm not going to do that. Whereas if he was like, hey, Data, I'm working on this stuff. I would like to work on this. I would like you to help me work on this because obviously you are the only one in existence. And I think you're the expert. Yeah, you're the expert. We could do this together. Probably a better chance of working. And then once you get them, you know, you stick them, you unplug whatever you want. But no, I'm obviously kidding. But (laughs) uh, But you
0: mean build up the sort of villainy in, in it? In a way. No, no.
1: I, I, mean, I'm thinking. I, I, that was just joking about the last part. I think, I think if, but I
0: mean, you could, you could start like I'm, I'm always. I know that they want to get right into the episode, but they, they don't play Maddox as trying to befriend Data and then unveiling his plan. Right. You know, you know I'm talking.
1: I mean? I'm talking, irrespective of of the the show. I'm okay. just talking about his approach in general. Should have if he didn't want this outcome of being completely rejected, he should have just been like, hey, maybe we work on this together. I don't know. But yeah. obviously, then you don't have a fun episode of TV to watch.
0: Uh, Dave, do you want to um, uh, sleep over my uh, my house tonight? And he just wakes up in the middle of the night with like Maddox <laughs> just standing over him with a, uh, a buzzsaw or something like that.
1: I've always also been fascinated by and by Sung because of the name. And I, I looked this up finally because I, I always thought I was remembering it incorrectly. But and Sung is very similar to Khan yeah, and Singh.
0: Yeah, Ronberry's roommate, college
1: roommate, right? I guess it was. I think it was a roommate. It, it was a, f- a friend of his that he uh, that he had who went missing after World War II.
0: Oh, really? Okay, never mind. Yeah, unless, not not nearly as uh, jovial as I thought.
1: Unless I misread it, but that's what I that's what I think I read.
0: Yes. So he um, he reused the same name kind of twice. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which you know if you're a, if you're a continuity nerd. Brings up a lot of questions.
0: I know. Imagine if that came out nowadays, we'd have decades oh, people lose of their minds. Yeah. Inter- internet people. Wondering I'm sure why the names are so similar. I'm
1: sure there's a novel or a comic book that explains the connection between Noonien Singh and Noonian Sung, <laughs> or like someone somewhere is like, yeah, Noonian was actually a really popular name or so. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. The, uh, I was also imagining the end after the trial where, um, data says to, uh, Maddox, he's like, I, I look forward to hearing more about your work. I, w- I was imagining that it was played out like the end of the Chappelle Show um, print skit, where he takes a step off screen and then takes a step back in and just goes, bitch. I look forward to
0: whatever cute things you come up with, Mr. Maddox. It has the nice TNG 80s genre button of uh, Maddox calls him him instead of it at the very yes, end, yeah, and that's to show yeah. us that he's actually learned something. They do the equally late eighties genre show of a character comments on the fact that he has done that, even though it's very obvious that he's called him a he for the first time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anything else about this one? I th- I think it's a good episode. You 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 sound more positive. I'm I'm actually honestly surprised you still like the Riker thing. The Riker thing always sticks out to me as a really strange thing. Not that I dislike it, but just that it's so. It's so obviously a construct to get to get sure, your cast members sure. involved in something
1: yeah no i just i just find it i i I find it to be an interesting concept uh that that they put into. Fair that they execute fairly well uh it's yeah it's it's very contrived to do that
0: the one um, one sorry one, the one great moment is when Riker is reviewing or prepping for his case, he finds the flaw that he's going to use, and he breaks down in a smile because he realizes he's got him and then he frowns yeah. because he knows that he's got him at the same time yeah. that, I really like that stuff, yeah
1: yeah, and I think they could have maybe you know thrown in a line or something about Maddox not being able to represent himself because he's not a certain rank or something I don't know, but yeah. like i it, the 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 excuse that they came up to do that I thought was fine, um, even though it is fairly silly. But
0: you better try really hard. You better not yeah. get it up there and not try.
1: Yeah. If I can see your fingers crossed behind your back, <laughs> you are going straight to the brig, Mister.
0: And I I think that
1: you know, we were kind of laughing
0: at Riker's presentation. Riker's presentation is maybe one tenth of a point too uh, melodramatic or something. Yes, but yeah. I do. I do think what he does to data is effective in some way. Like it's to take off his arm and then to shut him off. I actually like the taking off of the arm more than I like the shutting off of him. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because it does, it is a wonderful visualization of data is not what we would technically consider to be alive in some ways. Like he, he can be disassembled and things like that. He is, he is more machine than man in a lot of uh, measures, but yeah, I, I like that stuff. I just it's Riker doing it is fine. It's all that, but I do like the general point that they're making with it. I think it's well done.
1: Yeah, and I, I like the as I like the scene where um, Data talks about Geordi's eyes. Yep. Um, you know, and if it's if it's so much better, why doesn't everybody have? Him? I feel like that. Uh, I wish Picard had responded to uh, Riker shutting off Data by calling uh, Maddox. And then hitting him over the head with that pipe. And then being like, look, I can do the same thing. It's, it, we're, we're all machines here. There's an off switch for everybody.
0: My, uh, my favorite line is Picard saying, uh, lots of aliens have mega strength. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mega strength. Uh, yeah, and Riker obviously makes the judge handle his hard rod in the middle of this, which is mm-hmm. a very, very evocative image. Um, Riker that's girl, it. Rike. Let's take a break. We'll play an audio clip and then we'll come back and we'll give our final thoughts and ratings for The Measure of a Man. Now, sooner or later, this man or others like him will succeed in replicating Commander Data. Now, the decision you reach here today will determine how we will regard this creation of our genius. It will reveal the kind of a people we are, what he is destined to be. It will reach far beyond this courtroom and this one android. It could significantly
1: redefine the boundaries of personal liberty and freedom, expanding them for some, savagely curtailing them for others.
0: Are you prepared to condemn him and all who come after him to servitude and slavery? Your Honor, Starfleet was founded to seek out new life. Well, there it sits. All right, so since this is a Patreon thing, I'm not going to plug the Patreon. But it's out there if you're willing to look for it. So, Clay, what did you think of uh, Measure of a Man? Are you going to give this one a five out of five? It sounds, I don't know if it's been your time away from TNG or something, but you sound very positive on it. You didn't really have a lot of negatives to go for it.
1: Yeah, I am. Um, And I Are you glad
0: you watched it for Picard, too? Sorry to interrupt you.
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah. No, I I didn't even, until it came up on the Discord thing, I didn't even realize Brad, uh, Bruce? Bruce. Bruce Maddox. I didn't even realize Bruce Maddox was a pre existing character because I mm-hmm. you know I assume this is the only time he shows up. It is, yes. Uh yeah, I mean it gives a lot of context for Picard. I think probably the core of the story of Picard is in this episode. Um and as far as the rating, I I give it a five because I don't know. Did you go back and or do you have on handy the the ratings you gave for the first two seasons? Yes. Did you give any fives in season one?
0: No season one fives.
1: When's your first five?
0: First five is Q Who in season two.
1: Is that before this or after, after this? It's a, it's, okay.
0: a late, it's the, the Q introduction of the Borg is my first five. Oh, okay. And it's much later in the second season.
1: I would give this one a five because I think you could show this – I think you could take this episode and show it to anybody free from context of any other episode and they would get it and if you i think you could use this episode to be like this is what star trek tng is like and i think it works i think it's a well uh, it's a fully contained story that i think works really well with uh stuff that you can get uh without having pre-existing knowledge of the characters you know data's an android you know picard's the captain you know this guy wants to break him down it's like fairly archetypal concepts that are that that are sci-fi concepts that can play regardless of context yeah and I would say this is the first great Star Trek episode, first great TNG episode.
0: A lot of people have said that. A lot of people yeah. have said that. Yeah, I, I, I think it is very good. I, I just, I, <clears throat> I'm a little short of giving it the five, but I do think it's good. It's in the, um, there's a stretch of fours in the second season on my scale mm-hmm. that this feels very much a part of. They're like they're very good ideas that they're just functionally missing something out of it. Yeah. And it fits in with uh, the Royale. It fits in with Matter of Honor. Is this one? And then there's one other one I think that fits. Uh, Peak Performance is a good one too. Mm. And it feels very much in line with those. It's, it's maybe one of the top ones of those, but I still feel it's in that that section of them. It's it's really funny to um, you know, we've been on DS9 and now Picard and Discovery and everything. It's really funny to go back and just watch the purely self-contained TNG episode. It's yeah. like, they're, they're just so different from what the series eventually became and things. And people are complaining now about the over-serialization, but I think even DS9, you couldn't do this with DS9 for a good portion of its run. and had the same... Uh, there were episodes of DS9 that stood on their own, but a lot of them pulled in characters that you needed to know about or like you had some sort of reference point from a past episode and stuff like that. But this is totally uniquely self-contained to itself.
1: Yeah, the only the only context you might need is that who Tasha was, but even that, it's like, even if you don't know that, you can get from the context that she's no longer on the ship in some form or another. Yeah, he holds uh, up, he
0: has her little uh, dead eulogy hologram thing in yeah, this that he plays yeah. it,
1: so, yeah. Yeah, which, you know, justice for Tasha and all that, but... I'm, um, <laughs> you know, it's funny, though, because uh, I was... I. This past weekend I was out with some friends and I heard someone – I wasn't part of the conversation, but I heard someone uh, saying that they didn't like The Mandalorian because it started off with a story but then it just started doing these stupid one-off episodes in the middle. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting how it comes down to a a matter of taste really Um, because – the Mandalorian does try to straddle that line of episodes and larger story, and I don't think it does it that well. Yep. Um, and it's and it it's sort of like, and I think I said this on our Mandalorian podcast, which you know, if you're new to the podcast, we covered the Mandalorian as well.
0: Yes. Five years from now, we're going to be talking about. Five years from now, Disney launches
1: a standalone
0: streaming service.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just FYI. Um. But uh, I, I felt like it felt like they kind of forgot how to do TV like this, yeah. Uh, where you tell a self-contained story that is completely satisfied. You, you're satisfied by it in 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 and of the when the between the opening credits and the end credits, you get a single story doesn't really stand on anything else's legs, and it's just like a really well told story. It, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of a lost art, I think.
0: It is, yeah, and not to go off on Mandalorian. I think Mandalorian stories were just too simple for the episodic stretch in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, oh, I agree, hundred yeah. percent. That that's kind of the problem. Like you, you do need to have a story going on in those standalone things to really stand on their own. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give this one a four. Clay gives it a five. I think the four holds up for me. Uh, I think I think it's a very good episode. Very strong. And it certainly adds a lot of context to Picard, I think. I would almost say this is almost required viewing for Picard. Not in the sense of you won't yeah. understand what's going on, but to, I think, recalibrate yourself for um, what to expect from Picard.
1: I think that this works. Yeah. I, I wish, you know, before Picard started, I went back and I watched uh, iBorg. Yep. Because I knew the Hugh character was in it. I, I should have watched this instead. I... I I I don't know if I'm going to not understand who Hugh is out of the context of Picard as much as this gives me more background to the story for Picard. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, guys, thanks that very much. That
1: sentence didn't make a lot of sense, but I think you got what I meant.
0: I did, I did. Patrons, thank you for supporting the show. Hopefully, you enjoyed our re-review of The Measure of a Man. If this is a normal podcast, hopefully, you enjoyed listening to a podcast from the future. So, thank you very I think much, it's,
1: guys. It's just missing like a big john parr theme song like
0: what is the measure of a man <laughs> <laughs> who can say what a man is on
1: this open road what's the measure of a man
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can walk in a man's shoes but you can't measure him yourself yeah <laughs> uh, guys thank you very much for listening thank you. you can for walk in a man's
1: shoes but you'll never really know their size that's right Thank you for supporting the show. Because that's a measure of
0: a man. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back in a couple days with the next podcast, the next Patreon podcast. Otherwise, the show continues as normal. But thank you very much for supporting the show, guys, and we will see you later.